Steve Addison for the Movements Podcast. The podcast for people who want to multiply disciples and churches everywhere. In this episode, Steve Smith will debrief the lessons from Ying Kai's case study. Jeff Sundell will apply the four fields paradigm to his work in the US. Help us uh, apply it in our own setting. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Okay, I want you to brag on your brother or your sister. What is a key insight you heard a brother or sister say of something God spoke to them about? Who's got one? Okay, don't ask permission, just tell. And don't you love that one or two X story? Okay, and, and we don't need to ask permission to share. Yes, sir? Not asking permission. Not asking permission. Yep. Uh, sewing on Sunday morning, coming back Sunday afternoon to celebrate all the people. Okay, so they transformed a church building into a training and celebration center and moved that time to the afternoon so people had time to lead their groups on Sunday morning and Come back and celebrate in the afternoon and learn lessons together. What a brilliant stroke of just, it was a stroke of brilliance to say, how do we make this building become a multiplying center? What else? Okay, so sharing with everybody, not choosing ahead of time. Because you just never know. And, and, and I can't tell you the number of times I've heard Ing say, I would never have chosen the old farmer because he was not very pretty. He's ugly and didn't speak well. But just sharing with everybody and seeing where God produces fruit. Who else has a good observation from a colleague? Yes, sir. Uh, expect reproduction. Expect reproduction. All right, let me, let, me, let, me, let me debrief this because this is a candy piece. I don't know who said that, but if you've got candy in your table, hand it to him. Expecting reproduction of those new people you've just trained. What did you see Ing and Grace do that very first session that expected these believers to go out and do what they just said? What did they do? And just name some things. Practice. Okay, they practiced. Everything they did, they practiced. They practiced that great commission. They practiced their testimony. They practiced their gospel presentation, which he called Lesson 1. What else did he do to help them make sure they did it? What's that? Make a, list. make a list. So they made a list. Who will I go share with? And what did they do with that list? Prioritized. Prioritized it. And then they prayed over it, right? And I can't tell you the number of times when Ing shares the fuller version of this story. At least three times I hear him say they prayed over that list before they ever left that day. For God to soften those hearts. What else did he do to help these guys not just become witnesses, but now become Trainers. Okay, gave them several copies because he's saying, don't bring people back to this group. You start your own group with them. You do the same thing I did. And did you hear him say, before I teach you lesson one, you write down everything I say? Why did he do that? Because you're going to do this this week. Okay. When the group came back that second session, what did he do with them? What was the first thing he asked them about? Who would you share with? And then they began to share the stories of what God had done. Okay, this wasn't a time to criticize, but it was a time to celebrate. And to say, God can actually do this among us. But when these guys went back out, what did he give them at the end? Do you remember? 
Yeah, he gave them the lessons too to train their disciples in. But what did he give them also? Do you remember? Each new disciple that they had, he gave them five copies, basically, of the gospel. That lesson one. Now you go train them to go to their five and share with them. Eventually, Ian got smart and just said, you just make your own copies. Okay? And uh, you see, from the very beginning, saying, why don't you start a group this week? It doesn't need to be in three months or six months, what prevents you. And many times when they come back and say, I don't know how to, when to train them, let's pull out your calendar. When do you have time? When could you train this group? Oh, you have time on Friday night. Okay, call them right now. Let's see if we can't set this up. Okay. What else did you hear your brother or sister say around your table that was helpful? Did you have one? Okay, so he's given them vision. You're going to train them to be trainers themselves. He's already casting vision for the next two generations, not just one. One thing that we're going to look at in the iron on iron is I, I think we need to get clear in our generational counting. Um, I, would, I would like to encourage you today not to count any existing believers as generation one. Okay, it's semantics. But it's very healthy to say, let's count the first generation as the first generation of new believers. Because we can find a lot of existing Christians. But when we got generation one, those brand new believers, what would it take for them to have generation two? And inspire generation two to get to generation three. This is always in the back of our mind. How do we help them become successful? Parents, grandparents, great-grandparents. One or two more insights you saw, heard from one of your colleagues. Okay, the list, not just being a list, but these are people that you love, that you care about, you pray about. And you know, one thing, if you ask Ing, week three, week four, week five, when people come back, do they get discouraged? Do people get discouraged when they come back and they've shared with people on their list? Yeah, sometimes. And so they will actually say, take out your list. Let's talk through your list. Okay, so tell me what you've done with these people. How can I help you? How can I help you? What, what would it take to help them hear the gospel? So just lovingly taking these lists of people and just saying, what's it going to take for God to reach these, to reach these people? Uh, if you hear nothing else today, I want you to hear, this is not a classroom experience. This is a spiritual encounter. Okay? And it's happening in church buildings. It's happening in restaurants. It's happening in fields. Wherever we can gather people to say, brother, sister, how can I help you follow Jesus and fish for men? What would that look like? One more insight. Anyone, anyone else? I had one back here. Uh, Melissa? Well, I just, you know, saw tears and Yes. Hearts being moved, saying, this is not for you, this is for me. And the fact that there's so many lost out there, what I'm doing is really not enough. Um, I don't know if you caught what Ing said at the, at the end there. His one city out of three 
started off with 3 million when he finished was at 20 million. Did you hear him saying, this is not even keeping up with population growth? And see, the most effective church planting movement practitioners out there do not look at the number that are saved. They're constantly looking at who's still lost. And as they look at who's still lost, that gap between saved and lost continues to drive them to say, it must become generational. And this must, God must raise up a lot more persons of peace so that this thing can get done. And guys, too often in our ministries, we pat ourselves on the back and say, well, did, have you seen my numbers recently? Uh, no, let's keep the numbers of the lost before us because the lost is what changes our actions. Okay. Um, one more, anyone else before we close? We need to wrap this up. Any other insight? All right. Yes, sir. That's right. Today is the day. This is, there is a sense of urgency. Um, when we do, when Ing and I, are, or when Ing does it without me, when we, when we do a four-day training, one of the things I love to watch, is, especially if we're training missionaries and pastors and church leaders, is to see Ing just get under their hide and say, uh, who are you going to write today? You say you've got an uncle that's unsaved in Boston, so why aren't you going to write your testimony right now and email it to him before tomorrow morning? And to see them take this seriously, uh, who are we going to go out and talk to tonight? Um, there is an urgency to this. As we, as we wrap this up, I don't. Bill mentioned this yesterday, and Ing and Grace are never going to tell you, but I only see this couple do three things. And the first one they haven't even talked to you about is before they ever leave their front door is spending an hour or two hours every day in prayer before the Lord about what he wants them to do that day. Just like our brother Paul yesterday following the leading of the Holy Spirit. And so they just bathe everything in prayer on their knees before the Lord. That's the first thing they do. And then they only really do two more things uh, much to the chagrin of many people that would like for them to do a lot of other things. If they meet lost people, they witness to them. If they meet saved people, they cast vision to them to be trained, and then they begin training them. And they've always got their date book open. And if someone comes to Christ, when can I meet with you again? Put it in right now. If it's one person, it doesn't matter. If it's 20, it doesn't matter. When can I meet with you? And this couple... I would say at the height of their time in that country, uh, every week we're leading between the two of them between 30 and 50 groups a week. Morning, afternoon, evening, sometimes together, sometimes separate. They had so many people that wanted to be trained, they said, okay, stop meeting with me every week. On the off week, you do your own groups and come back to me the third week. So that gives me a whole other week to add a whole other set of groups. You see, the principle is we're going to so broadly define the people that God's going to produce the hundredfold through. But what if we only did three things? What if we only prayed, witnessed to the lost, and trained the saved? And training the saved is going to be a lot because as leaders develop, we're going to do mid-level trainings and so on. But basically, there's just three things we do. If we meet a lost person, we witness. If we meet a saved person, we train them. What would change in our ministries? So let's bow in prayer. We're going to transition 
to looking at our own ministries in a moment, saying, how can I change the priorities of how I spend my time? But would you just pause with me in prayer? And I'd like for you, as, as we pause around your tables, this one person, just pray the things that you heard mentioned at your table. Uh, just pray those out to the Lord right now. God, do these things that we just mentioned. All right. Just by the way, I am a stunt double on Duck Dynasty. So that's what the beer is all about. And uh, this is actually a redneck shirt. It's not a Christmas shirt. I'm, I'm, real, I'm angry that somebody said I was in seasonal dress. This, this is seasonal dress for hunting elk. <laughs> has nothing to do with Christmas, okay? I, I don't have a deck together, trust me. Um, let's, uh, what we want to do is sort of review um, where we're going with the iron on iron. And um, one thing I want to reach back to, and I'm sorry, I said I wasn't going to move, but I am going to move. Um, I want us to reflect back on, as we do the iron and iron, many of you are very familiar with the four fields picture, but um, let's, let's just sort of go back and review this, because we want you to use this as a tool for problem solving. So it's a tool to sort of catch the vision of where we're going, um, and again, up here, you know, we got the, essentially this, the, the heart of God, and What's our, what's our end, end goal to know we're tracking the right direction? Nowhere left. Nowhere left and 4G, right. So nowhere left and 4G. So we want to know where we're going to get with 4G. Now, what, when we talk about 4G, where does Gen 1 begin? Um, all right, so we, we, we want to remember the vision of where we're trying to go. So we're looking for minimum six streams of fourth generation and beyond. I'm sorry. Uh, so six streams of fourth generation and beyond. The reason we're saying six streams of fourth generation and beyond is because I'm a biblicist. And Paul had seven streams, so we figured, hey, let's get six streams. Now, the reason really is, if you have one stream of fourth generation and beyond, if a, mor- a moral issue comes and your key leader is hit with a moral issue, what happens to your stream? It's gone. What, what happens if somebody gets sick and dies? It's gone. What happens if somebody moves and gets called to go to another place? It's gone. What happens if persecution comes? It's gone. So we want to have at least six streams, minimum of fourth generation. Okay? So that's what we're all tracking to. So we're all, and we're all starting. Where's Gen 1 start? New believers, right. It starts with lost people. What's the key to church planning? Lost people. What's the key to witnessing? Lost people. we got to start sharing with lost people. So that, that's the key is we want to get here. This is the, the minimum we are shooting at. And then we're talking at a place like Austin. We need multiple streams of sixth generation and beyond. If we have any thoughts or any hopes of doing what God intends, minimum. All right? Now, so, what's, um, so we have our field one. What's our field one? Yeah, our who, Right? So everybody has to have a clarity of their who. You know, and one of the things that we found that's a little unique to the states, and of course in Asia, it was really clear. Everybody was lost. Now in Booger Holler, North Carolina, everybody's saved. You know, now they might be living like the devil for the last 40 years, but everybody's saved. Once saved, always saved, right? And so in, in Booger Holler, we're calling people far from God because if you can live 40 years and say you're saved, but you can live far from God, live like the devil... I'm not so sure. I'm not buying you're saved. And so we need to be sharing the gospel with those folks that are far from God. Just to give us clarity on our who. 
So we want to know who our who is. What are our two main strategies for who? Oikos and our house of peace, right? So we have, we have this oikos and we have this house of peace that we are looking for. All right, let's talk a minute about field two. What's the main point of field two? The gospel. Yeah, it's not your testimony. It's the gospel, right? So there's got to be a clear, I like, we could say a lesson one. There's got to be that clear gospel presentation. Whatever it is, a clear gospel presentation. All right, now, the farmer goes to sleep. He wakes up and God's done something amazing. What's he done? Yeah. The salvation has nothing to do with us. It's all him, right? Can't take credit for it. It's not even how good you present the gospel. You know, I think I've shared a lot of times when my mom shares the gospel, she just cries. Oh, you know, she's just boo-hoo. She makes me cry, you know. So she's, she's boo-hooing and crying, and then, you know, people get saved, you know. So I'm going, it's not necessarily having the, the clearest. We want to be clear. We want to have the best gospel presentation possible. But I think God's honoring her heart because her heart reflects God's heart because she loves lost people. She cares about them. I can't wait to see Chuck get saved. My neighbor Chuck's going to get saved. And it's because, some of you have heard the story, we've got a little seven-year-old niece who won't let it go. You know, the night she prayed in our Sunday night church, she said, God, kill me before you let Chuck die and go to hell. That's the heart of God. A seven, and what's, what's, the, what's, God, what's the God say about the kingdom of God? It's, it's that childlike faith. So here's a little girl who's willing to lay down her life so that Chuck will get saved. Do you, you know what's going to happen to Chuck? He's going to get saved. I don't think we'll ever go to church. Just I know Chuck, you know, but Chuck's going to give his life to Christ one day. And it's because the little girl is holding the rope and just tugging. Hey, God save him. God save him. All right? So we want to have a clear gospel presentation. We want to have the best reproducing gospel presentation. Because what's our guiding word as we think through all of these fields? Reproducing, right? So we always want to be asking, is it reproducing? So if we're not seeing generational growth, you know, Bill said something really, really important last night. And you're looking at that second or that third generation, they're stuck. Where do you look? Look upstream. All right, so as you look at those generational maps, you're going to look upstream at the other trainer. And let me, let me just say this real, real, you know, you're going to have one, one of the things that's going to happen today is we're going to talk about people, and we've got to be really sensitive. Um, one, we are never, ever attacking somebody's character and integrity when we do this. We are attacking the plan. We are attacking the process. And the reason we're doing it is because lostness matters. And the reason it matters is because people, the reason we're on mission is why? Because the glory of God, because worship doesn't exist. God intended for all men, all places to worship him. And so that's why we're laying all of this down. That's why we're going to be willing to have our plans attacked, our processes attacked. We're going to look at our schedules, our times, because as you know, this is costly. If you're doing this, this is going to cost you something. You know, in Asia, you count the cost, 
As soon as somebody comes to Christ, when they take the step into baptism, they count the cost. In America, it's very different. You, it, baptism's not costly for us. You just get wet. What's costly for you here is to make disciples. So as soon as you start into this discipleship process, as soon as you take up your cross and start following Him, it gets costly. One, you're going to suffer, right? Many of you in here are already suffering. There'll be difficulties come. This, this is not an easy task. But it, I think one of the things you hear over and over again is the joy, right? It's about the joy. You know, when you share the gospel, and even if they reject Christ, what do you have? I got joy. They accept Christ. What do I got? Joy. Right? If I don't preach the gospel, what do I have? No joy. <laughs> and we want to have that joy of the Lord. That's who we are. What an awesome experience. So we're going to guide everything with this word reproducing. Down here, we're talking about our short-term discipleship, right? And we have a long-term discipleship strategy. Um, I'm sorry for my Egyptian hieroglyphics. Vanna White left the room, and anyhow, she left me hanging here, taking writing for me. That's my wife. But... Um, uh, and then there's a process. What's our process that we use for making disciples? Yeah, the T for T process, the three-thirds. So we could, say, we could say look back. We could say look up, look forward. We could also say look to the past, look up to God in the present, and look to the future of what am I going to do? How am I going to be fishing, following? How am I going to be going, growing, gathering? How am I going to be involved in this process of T for T, of this. Now, here, here's the one I think, you know, we got to highlight. It's because it's a little, it's very ambiguous in the States. In Asia, it was very clear the end goal was to plant churches. And in the States, you know, it's a, you know, it's, it's a struggle. We have some leaders and pastors who struggle with the idea of the thought of planting churches, and I understand. But you got to have something in mind here whether it's a church or whether it's some type of group that functions like some type of a church. There's got to be clarity there. If there's not clarity, you, you, we produce ambiguity, the, you know, and then it brings confusion. And so we've got to make sure we're clear. Where are we trying to go with these disciples? They have to be gathered into some type of reproducing group. They've got to be gathered into a community. And there's got to be clarity about what that community does and who that community is. So we're talking about, and we call them disciple-making groups, we can call them church. But there has to be something here with a clarity. And then we're really just now getting into, what's, what's field five? Our leadership, right? And this is, this is uncharted territory, honestly, for us. This is where we're beginning to learn. We're just now starting to see reproducing disciples. We're starting to see reproducing groups or churches. And now we're starting to say, how are we going to develop our leaders? And that's part of what the mid-level trainers meeting is about. Um, we're going to, after we do the Iron and Iron, we're going to debrief for a few minutes about the mid-level trainers meeting. I've asked Steve and I'll ask Bill maybe just to give us a little background or a little sort of what, how we do this or what's the sort of genius behind it. I'm just imitating what I saw other people do. 
So that's, that's, there's no genius here. I'm just watching what other folks do, and I do it. You know, so monkey see, monkey do. And I'm good at monkey see, monkey do. Um, but if you were to come in March, and we're having a Dallas mid-level trainers meeting a Friday, Saturday, you come and you go, this isn't the same as the last one that we did down in Austin. Well, it might not be. We don't always know exactly what we're doing. We try and adjust them to the group because we're trying to solve problems. All right, let me go through the iron on iron real quick. But here's the reason I reviewed the four fields is you're going to look at your generational maps. But we want you to use this as a problem-solving tool. It's a vision tool to give you a roadmap of where you're going, but it's also your stuckage tool. So you want to reach back to your Timothys and say, where's your Timothy stuck? Is he stuck in field one? Is he stuck in field two? Is he stuck in field three? What's he doing? And you're always looking upstream, right? So we want to use this tool, and then we want to use that generational map that you guys have produced. And we want to use those two tools so we just have common language for problem solving. Um, Now here, we just did a rough outline of roughly what it's going to look like. Just by the way, I really appreciate um, Steve... Bill, Jared, Troy, uh, Laura, I, I, I'm going to forget all the names, but I, I don't know how much you realize the privilege. We have an incredible group of facilitators this week. You'll probably never, ever see this again. But, you know, so if you think this will be like what's in Dallas, don't, don't expect that. This is not the normal way it happens. So this is a wonderful privilege you have. So let them take the gloves off and beat up on you. But let's be learners, because I think the big thing we want to be is we want to be learners. None of us are here saying, hey, we know exactly what it looks like to have six streams of fourth generation and beyond. But we want to create a community of practice, a community of best practicing. And we want to create a peer-to-peer learning. And that's really the point of this, is so that when these guys walk away and go back to what they're doing, we raise the bar of the level of our leadership so that we can continue learning from one another. Because it's not about having a trainer guru. It's about being a community of practice that keeps going back to the Word of God. And we keep going back to the Word of God. And I'm just going to share one quick thing about... We were stuck in in a country, well, a country called Bhutan. We were having a lot of people come to Jesus. But very few churches formed. And so we were really discouraged. And the guy said, well, we need money so we can rent buildings so we can start, you know, churches. And we're like, dude, we ain't got no money. You know, so, you know, so we were just really struggling. What do you do? And we were using a house of peace, I mean, a person of peace concept. So we said, hey, let's go back to the word of God. And I don't remember if Jared was there when we did this or not. Um, but Nathan and some guys, we just, we just coon song. We got back and we were digging in the word of God. And we kept digging, digging, digging. And we read the gospels over, read the book of Acts over. And we're digging. And all of a sudden, one of, a, one of us, I don't even remember who it was, said, you know, my version says house of peace. NIV says person of peace. And we said, you know, that's really, let's, let's think about that. So we just started examining it and saying, hey, guys, let's try something. We're not going to witness on the street from now on. We're going to try and get in a home. And when we get in a home, we're going to try and grab the head of the household, win them to Jesus, and then we're going to form our church around it. And so we started trying that. So we told our guys when we started training, no more witness on the street. You've got to make your way back to the home. So you meet the person of peace, go back and find the house of peace, and then try and get in the home. Do you know what happened in the country of Bhutan after that? Less conversions. Conversions went down. But people who come into Christ and baptisms increased and church formation increased. Well, what are, what are we after in a place like that? 
We've got to form churches. And so it was by going back to the Word of God and digging in the Word of God. Listen, the obstacles that each one of us is facing in here is the greatest opportunity for God to reveal Himself where we can see consistently six streams of fourth generation beyond. So here's, here's what we're going to do. First of all, you're going to tell the story. We're going to brag on God. We're just going to share all the wonderful things that God is doing. And listen, you can say, you know what? I was with a guy recently, and he'd led 17 people to Jesus, and none of them had multiplied. I'm like, dude, that's awesome, man. You had 17 people come to Jesus. What are we, you know, why are we down in the mouth about this? That's 17 people in the kingdom. You know, praise the Lord. If you wouldn't have done it, it would have been there, huh? So let's praise the Lord for that. So we're going to celebrate. We're going to celebrate failures too. I'd rather see 30 great failures than zero attempts. Right? We're going to fail forward in this. So we want to keep failing forward, seeing what God's going to do, and we want to keep learning from one another. So we just want to brag on God. So you, you come here and you say, well, you know, I don't have fourth generation. But I've been faithfully sharing the gospel. I haven't led anybody to Jesus. But have you been faithfully sharing the gospel? What's he asked you to do? Share the gospel. Is it your responsibility to save anybody? No. What do you keep doing if nobody's coming to Christ? You keep sharing the gospel. And what do you keep doing? Sharing the gospel. And pray. I'm sorry. Yeah, you got to pray also. I, 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 I'm, that's why i got a wife. You know? <laughs> keeps, she keeps me in check. <laughs> so yes, we are... Keep going to the source. We keep sharing, doing our part, but we leave the results up to God. But does God want to reach Austin, Texas? Does God want to have Timothys who produce Timothys who produce Timothys who are people far from God? Is that His will? Amen. So is it going to happen? It will happen. So it's, it's, it's going to happen. But we just got to keep learning from one another, keep praying for one another, Keep encouraging one another. So we want to just brag on God. But then what we want to do is we're going to take about seven, ten minutes and we want you to lay your obstacle. What's that giant out in the land that you say, hey, if we don't get over this giant, we're not going to get six streams of fourth generation and beyond. And the reason we ask you to think about fourth generation, there are people in this room that I know have a work ethic that could start a hundred groups. Easily. But you know who did it? You. But if you start seeing somebody come to Christ who's baptized, who leads somebody else to Christ who's baptized, who leads somebody else to Christ who's baptized, and gets the fourth generation, you know who did that? God did it. That's, that doesn't have anything to do with me. Now, He wants to, me to do my side, and He doesn't want me to be a volunteer. He wants me to be a co-laborer. We don't want to need any more volunteers. We need co-laborers in Christ. Right? Right? So we are co-laborers in Christ. And so we want, to, we want to clarify that obstacle. What's that biggest obstacle you're facing? And we want to just paint a great picture of it. I want you to say this. Obstacles are God's greatest opportunity to work. Can you all say that? Yeah, God is a God of obstacles, right? If there weren't obstacles, why, you know, what's the point? <laughs> the obstacles are so he can show himself out. Because it's about his glory. It's about what he's going to do. So we're looking for the obstacles of getting the fourth generation beyond.
So we want you to share it. Then we want to give the chance. This is where the gloves come off. We're going to ask your group now to ask you hard questions. So pull them out. Get the four fields picture out. Look at their generational map and say, tell me about your Timothys. Where are your Timothys here? Where are your Timothys in the process? What's their vision? What's their passion? And you want to start asking it. You know, sometimes you're going to dig down and you're going to go, what hit your Timothy was life. Lost my job, had to do this and this, and life happens. Things like that happen in life. And you're going to also look up and you're going to go, wow, the problem's here. It's Jeff. <laughs> I haven't been practicing. And it's going to be things like that. So we want to give folks the opportunities to ask questions of you. And listen, guys, please, don't... The reason we've asked Steve, Bill, Laura, Jared, Troy, Ronnie... Ying, I thought, yeah, I'm, I'm like, yeah, what, how in the world can I fit Ying and Grace here? Asking these questions, we want to raise the bar of our learning community. And so if we raise the bar of the learning community, what's the next learning community going to do when somebody meets here four months from now in Austin or San Antonio? Because it's about His glory. It's not about your plan. It's not about your method. It's not about you. It's about Him. Okay. And so we want to make sure we set the bar high, okay? Here's what we're after. What are your two action plans? After you listen to the group, and the group gives suggestions, they ask questions, you're listening to your peers who are fellow co-laborers in this. This isn't once so, maybe so, hope so. These are other folks who are out on the street doing what you're doing. They're speaking, sharing, insight. You're going to come up with two key action plans. And the action plans are related to how do we overcome the obstacle. When we were looking for our first, second generation group, and we just kept looking and we were going, man, the process is right, content's good. And finally we just said, you know what? We're going to fast 40 days and pray and read the Word of God. Do you know what happened after we fasted and prayed 40 days? We started to see second generation growth. So sometimes it's, man, we just got to get down on our knees and pray and get desperate for God. So there may be times like that. So you, some of your obstacles are going to be, you're going to look at it and you're going, hey, we're doing everything the best, the ability we know. We're doing, doing right things. We're sharing a lot. We want to keep learning. But there's times where you just go back to God. So you're going to write two action plans down. And then you're going to give, it's going to be two action plans that you can do in the next 10 days. The rationale behind that is if you don't do it in 10 days, I don't think you'll do it. My past history is if you say, hey, I'm going to do it three months from now, you don't do it. So in the next 10 days, what are your action plans that are going to happen to overcome the obstacle? And then who is going to hold you accountable? So somebody there is going to have your phone number, and probably out of a phone number, a phone number, and we're going to hold one another accountable to move forward in these action plans. And they're going to, pray, they're going to covet to pray for you. And you're going to move forward and do these action plans. Where they're going to call you in 10 days and say, did you do it? Right? And I know this is a busy season, but this is a great opportunity because people are open to talk about Jesus this time of the year. So next 10 days, what are you going to do? And then what I want you to do, you're going to lay hands on that person. Now, I like Korean style. And you pray Korean style, you might be a little deep kimchi. But... Um, <laughs> 
You're going to lay hands on, lay hands on this person. You're going to pray over them in the name of Jesus that God grants them success. And it's, it's not about our success. It's about what God's doing. I, I, I hate using the word success, but I don't know. It's about fourth generation and beyond. It's about Him. It's about what He's doing. And it's, we're doing it because worship doesn't exist. So we're on mission with God. Thank you.